Hey everyone, welcome to the Happy Flosser podcast. My name is Billy Lunt. I am your host, and I am here to talk to you about all things dental hygiene to support you on your journey through the dental hygiene program. Welcome, so glad to have you. I know you're on spring break, and this is the time where you take a a nice little rest from all of your studies and dental hygiene and almost try to pretend like you're not in school. But the reality is you still have a lot of work to do. A lot of you are working on projects. If you're seniors, you're trying to tie everything together to finish up. So I thought this week I would publish an episode that focuses more on your soft skills. And I had the opportunity to connect with Liz Lord. Now, Liz Lord and I have known each other for probably the better part of 25 years. And she is a personal and business coach, specifically in the field of dentistry. She really focuses on the human side of care, and she loves to work with passionate teams of people. She is that person who takes care of the people who take care of all the patients. That's how she self-describes her coaching business. But what I love about Liz, when I specifically asked her, okay, Liz, what is it that you do that I can share with the students? She says, It's not the stuff that you do in life. It's the experiences you have that creates meaning behind what you do. And oh my gosh, did she just hit the nail on the head when she said that or what? So I'm really hoping that although you're on break and you want to take a rest from your studies and, you know, all these, you know, information overload from people, I really think that this is more of a laid back, heartfelt episode but she's so good at articulating a better way to communicate with our patients to really walk them down the path to health. So I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed meeting up with Liz and talking with her and sharing time with her. So Liz, you and I have known each other for do you want to share how many years? Since I would 1994. I, you know, I don't want to do the math. <laughs> <laughs> that, that says enough, doesn't it? That says enough. <laughs> uh, and every time I spend time with you, I, I remember why we keep reconnecting because it's always a fabulous conversation. So I'm so oh. happy that you agreed to share some time with the students that listen to the podcast and, and share some of your knowledge. And so what are you into these days? Oh, gosh. Well, first of all, Billy, I got to say back at you because, you know, I I invoke your your eunice many times. You know, if, if I'm talking with people about, you know, outstanding hygiene, you know, you are the picture that comes to my brain. And then, of course, just fun, you know, it's immediately right there with it. You know, this, this beautiful knowledge and fun. So thank you for having me. What am I up to this day, these days? Um, well, I have been coaching dental practices for 20 years now so I'm still actually up to that and 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 that's really amazing and you know what I what I really love about that you know having been in dentistry a little longer than you and I'm remiss to even say since 1988 I uh when I left clinical dentistry and then the business of dentistry what was most important to me was to take care of the people who take care of all of those patients, right? Because when, when you're care side one-on-one, like you see how you make a difference for people. And 
even the shift from me being clinical for 12 years and then moving to the business side of dentistry, I, I like went through almost like a death experience about three sure. weeks later where, you know, I was literally a hot mess and I'm like, and it was really because I just, I had to reinvent how I made a difference. Yeah. Um, and, and so, and I did, I was like, you know, I make it possible for all those patients with our clinical team to be able to get the care that they need and deserve. And once I connected that, it was like, okay, I'm home. And, yeah. and then when I left practicing in individual practices to go out and coach practices all over the place, it was really about taking care of the team who takes care of all of those patients. Uh, because it, to me, dentistry, you know, I found dentistry. I, I spent a couple of years in healthcare, found dentistry, and just I fell in love. I really did. And, and, you know, like any good love story, sometimes you want to leave the love story. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yes. And, and, you know, I've tried to do that a couple of times and dentistry always pulled me back. Yeah. It, it's one of those things when, when, when you got it, you got it and, and you embrace it. You, you just got to learn to embrace it and find your self-expression in it. And so I'm still coaching. And, and what I love about coaching is it's not just about what you do in the practice, because all practices do pretty much the same thing. You know, we all treat patients, we all answer phones, collect money, you know, yada, yada, yada. What we do doesn't really differentiate us. What differentiates one practice from another practice is who you are, who you're being, and, and the culture that exists within that practice. So Certainly when I'm coaching a practice, there's a lot of things I can share about, you know, optimized business systems and, and workflows and patient flows and, and all of that to, to make things flow more smoothly and have more fun in your days and, and more productivity and less stress. And all of those things are really important to the longevity of your career uh, for you, as well as for the dentist, especially when it's profitability and things like that, because, you know, a business that's not profitable isn't a business very long. Right. But what really gets me going, and, and I literally just got off a, a call with a client of mine that I'm going in to see next week. And one of the things that, that lights me up is the communication. And I've been a student of communication now uh, for as long as I've been coaching. I was really blessed and fortunate to initially work with a company that was partially owned by Tony Robbins, who is, you know, that's what he's all about. It's communication and, and personal empowerment. And, and I've gone on to, to further study and, and keep myself immersed in, in that because that's really the secret sauce to the culture that we create together. So, so for me, balancing communication and how do we work effectively? And, you know, when I was just talking with my client, you know, there's some communication breakdowns happening in the team. And so, you know, as we're designing the workshop I'm going in to do with them next week, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to put this, you know, some, some communication training right into this workshop. And it's fun, right? To, to, because we all communicate from how we've always ever communicated. Like you, you learn it at such a young age. It's not like, you know, somebody gives you, this is the formula for how you communicate effectively. You just communicate. Right. And we all have experiences where sometimes it, it works really well and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> and right. it's kind of painful and we have a hard time working with this person or this patient just never, you know, responds to what I'm talking to them 
about or you know I, I can't get them to move forward with with care or they don't believe me or they're just jerks to me or whatever it is we can't seem to bridge that gap because we don't necessarily understand where communication starts we always think it's you know the problem is over there with that person and we can't obviously can't change other people so we're kind of stuck with what we're stuck with and it works with some people and it doesn't work with others and the truth is communication works best with the people who communicate just like we do and right, have because our under, yeah our understanding right yeah yeah and and you know they think about things the way we do and their view is similar to ours so you know those are the people we just connect with right away and we can communicate very easily and then there's people who think differently and communicate differently and and you know they're difficult people <laughs> and we're just you know we kind of give up on being effective with them before we really understand how we can be effective with them so so I love bringing that component because you know it makes a difference certainly in the culture that exists within the workplace but it makes a huge difference in how effective we are with our patients and and that you know that's why we show up every day you know, we certainly show up for the people we work with because you know, hopefully we love them and we want to hang out with them. I certainly felt that way when you and I work together. Uh, and, and, but we're there to make a difference for people and to help them become the best healthy versions of themselves that we can possibly help them achieve, that they're out to achieve for themselves and maybe even inspi inspire them to, to move up the ladder a little bit on what that looked like. And, and communication is the key to being effective there. Yeah, so let me ask you a question. So I can understand that it is easier to communicate with people that are like-minded or communicate like us, or we can relate to, we can see some of our own character traits in those people. Mm -hmm. So how do we develop skills to understand and communicate better with people that are so different than us? Yeah, that is, that is a great. The, the first thing to understand about communication is where it starts. And, and we don't think about that. Communication starts over here where, where we are. And, and we, we tend to think, you know, when we, we can't communicate effectively with somebody else, that it's over there where they are. And it's not, that, at least the answer is not over there where they are. When human beings don't naturally communicate well, and we certainly don't listen. It all starts with listening. What's the conversation that we're actually in? And most people aren't aware that they're not actually in a conversation with the person that they're talking with, primarily. That is not the primary conversation that they're in. The primary conversation that they're in is with the voice in their head that's assessing and judging and evaluating the what's being said. And so when, when we're in communication with somebody or trying to be in communication with somebody, the person may be talking to us, and especially, you know, if it's a person that's like, yep, 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 you know, those yesers, they just yes you to death. That's really code for I'm not listening to you. Oh. Okay. Because what happens in that situation, and it's, it's not to you know, to throw the, the yes people under the bus, but it's a great example for what we all do. What happens in conversations is that you may get like one sentence out of seven or eight that you're going to say out. And 
based upon what happens in that first little bit of the conversation, the person that you're talking to maps it to something that they already know or, you know, something that's already up there in their neurological pathways. And they've already decided, okay, this is what you mean. And that's why they're going, yep, 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 because they're not even listening to you anymore. They already know what you mean, and they're just waiting for you to shut up so they can respond. (laughs) Isn't that the natural way that our brain works, though, in in natural development of understanding? It is. Well, yes, our brain works that way. I mean, we all have a voice in our head that never stops. It is constantly, constantly, constantly evaluating. What does this mean? You know, uh, you know, what do they mean? What, what is, what is this about? And it's happening so quickly. And the, the problem is, is it's not mapping it. Like if you're trying to tell me something, Billy, it's not mapping it to what does Billy mean? It's mapping it to what does this mean to me based upon my experiences and what's happened in my life and the neurological pathways that my brain has mapped. So it's, I'm not really out there going, what's going on over there with Billy? What is she really asking me or what is she really saying? I hear a little bit of what you say, map it to something I already know, and my brain is off to the races. And you might be going in a whole other direction, but I'm way over here in East Siberia having this conversation. Just, you know, as soon as, as, soon as your brain decides what it, what it means, and that's really the job of your brain. Your brain is hardwired for fight or flight and to protect you, to have you survive. Now, unfortunately, it, it sees, because survival is its number one goal, it sees everything is survival. You know, let's have a conversation about where we're going to dinner. Survival is somewhere in the background, like making that happen. And and what I mean by that is it's mapping it to what what does it know is safe for you. Right. All right. And that's why it's going to what you already know. It's not really looking for what's something that maybe I don't know. Get off into the weeds a little bit. But our brains are are, are geared to listen for what do I already know? That's the first thing. That's all our brain wants to do is what does this mean is the, the question that it's asking. And it will ask and answer that question, you know, subconsciously in, in a nanosecond, really. It, it takes almost no time for that to happen. And then the next thing that your brain is asking is, what, how am I going to respond to this? And, and we can all relate to that where we've been in a conversation with somebody and, and we have that kind of aha where we're, we can actually hear our brain going, what am I going to say? You know, how am I going to respond? Because you don't want to look stupid and you don't want to, you know, you don't want to look bad. So you're now in a conversation with yourself while this other person thinks they're in a conversation with you and and you actually think you're in a conversation with them, but you're in a conversation with that voice in your head going, what am I going to say next? You know, almost sometimes it's like when you notice it, it's usually kind of a panic thing, like, wow, they're really smart. I don't want to look stupid (laughs) (laughs) or they're really hostile. I don't want to, you know, trigger them more or something like that. It's usually in a panic mode where you notice that. Well, that just makes my brain think 
coaching a practice, a dental practice where you have, you know, front office people that have one job and their perspective and viewpoint, and then you have the clinicians and the providers and, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's different types of clinicians and providers, and they're all coming from their own understanding and viewpoint Mm -hmm. and then personality types. How do you create a, a team that develops understanding and compassionate communication for one another? How do you do that, Liz? Well, here's the thing. It's a practice. It's just like anything else. You know, how do you create an amazing hygienist in hygiene school? You got to practice a lot. And, you know, how much time do we really spend practicing communication? We just communicate. We just talk, right? Um, Yeah, we just do it, you know, and, 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 and if we have a problem with it, it's always the other person, of course, or maybe sometimes it's like, oh, I sounded so stupid. And and we're, we're, we self-flagellating here, you know, we'll beat ourselves up. But um, how do you do it? You first of all have to introduce it so people even have an awareness of communication because it's so natural. It's like it's like asking somebody, how do you breathe? I don't know. I just do it. Right? Yeah. You know, once you study anatomy and physiology, you start to learn about muscle contraction and, and how the, the mechanics of it work. And, and so now you're much more aware you know, suppose you get into a, a situation then where you can't breathe well, you know, because you understand the mechanics, you can work on like relaxing yourself and, and stuff like that. So understanding the mechanics of communication is important. And even just this conversation of learning to stop yourself and identify, am I, am I out there actually curious about what Billy is saying to me and really trying to understand from, you know, like I'm standing in Billy's shoes, looking through your eyeballs at the world. Or am I over here in a conversation with my head about what I think about what Billy's saying, not what Billy's actually saying? That's, That's a, a lot more mindfulness. Place. Yeah. Yeah, very mindful. And then there's also some some tools like you can from there, you can also start identifying different styles of communication. Because people who who have a similar style to us. We tend to communicate with really easily. We don't even have to work at it. But then there's some people who maybe we're like the, the outgoing, super friendly, want to connect with everybody. And then there's some people who are a little more closed off and, you know, short with us. You know, I think of like the CEO type. They, they're like bottom line, you know, what is, how long is it going to take? You know, how much money? When are you going to get me in? Boom, boom, boom. And if you're the super high relationship person and you've got this person, they seem cold and hostile and, and not very friendly. And so we make assessments and judgments about them uh, instead of understanding, you know, standing in their shoes, looking through their eyeballs, they're just highly efficient in their world, right? Yes. <laughs> and so if we're relating to them like they're cold and they're hostile and, and standoffish, we're going to relate to them from that versus, oh, they're just being super efficient. If you relate to them completely differently, it shifts the communication and the conversation to just be able to, to understand people communicate differently. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I find it fascinating. I, I just, you know, I just find it fascinating how different people can be in how they present themselves to the world and, and work with one another. And it, it's so intriguing to me. Yeah. And it's all based upon their experiences in life. Because again, you know, we all start pretty much as a blank slate in the beginning. It's not like babies are born. It's like, oh, here's the shy one. This is the outgoing one. You know, this is not how it is. 
we're all a blank slate, but based upon our experiences that we have, you know, the environment that we grow up in, uh, whether it's our family environment, our school environment, our community environment, things that happen to us, like siblings within the same family growing up in the same environment can, can have two completely different views and, and ways of communicating and, and, and things like that. And because they had different experiences than their siblings and they made things mean different things because you know it starts at a very young age i love like really little children toddlers and preschoolers because there's still so much that blank slate mm. at that point like the world is amazing and they're curious about everything and they don't have all these meanings mapped already so they're just curious like what does this mean you know and, but their brain is trying to figure that out that's what they're doing but so we start doing that around the age of about 4 and, you know, something happens and our brain immediately wants to, you know, determine what does this mean? Because we've got to be able to deal with it and we've got to adapt ourselves to whatever's happening. And whatever you decide something means is how you respond to it. It determines how you respond to it. So if you just, if, if somebody yells at you as a child and you have this like deer in the headlights moment and you decide that it means that I just need to be silent and, and not seen so that people don't yell at me. You become quiet and shy. Mm -hmm. and, and that then maps how you respond in so many other areas of your life, right? Interesting. Yeah. So one of the things I learned from you um, when we were working together and you were coaching was to mimic the style of communication of your patient. So as a yeah. hygienist, when we have patients who it just doesn't seem like they respond to our instruction or we're providing guidance to help them improve their oral health or whatever their needs are. And for some reason, there's this, there's this barrier between you and the patient. And I, I believe it was you who spent lots of time <laughs> coaching each and every one of the different types of hygienists you are working with in that practice of recognizing the, um, the style of the communication of our patient and then mimicking that style so that the patient would respond. And I still can remember how it worked. It, it really worked. And it's really hard to change how you communicate with your patient to be more like the patient because you feel like you're having an out of, an out of body experience. <laughs> but then when all of a sudden the patient responds and understands what you're saying, it's like, oh my goodness, this is worth the uncomfortable, awkward feeling of communicating in a different way. Oh, I yeah. still remember that lesson. And I was, I was and how, really how is it now for you? I don't even, I, I, it's more natural. Yeah. yeah but I recognize it. There's a, yeah. there's a level of awareness and it, it helps me every day to be better at communicating. And just like you said, when I find that I'm having a hard time communicating or better yet, understanding someone, it's mm -hmm. probably because of me. And so I need to do more listening. I mm -hmm. need to be better at understanding where they're coming from, their perspective, and really put myself in their shoes, as you said. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that's the, the people like people like themselves, just naturally, yes. right? And so when you really want to be effective with people, you have to kind of come to terms with the fact that not everybody's going to communicate the way I communicate. 
And if I want to be effective with more people, then I've got to adapt myself and my communication style to them so that they can actually hear, right? Yes. Um, and so when you want to be like somebody else, you just match them. If they speak quickly, pick up your pace. If, you, if you're kind of a more laid back and, and easygoing communicator and you're talking with somebody who maybe is like the, the super hurried soccer mom or the CEO that's like efficient, get it done fast, you know, a slow communicator is going to make them insane. They can't hear what you're saying to them because they're just judging and assessing how you're saying it. Right. So you pick up your pace, right? If, if you're um, with somebody who leans in when they talk to you, lean in. You know, they, they won't even consciously be aware of it, but they'll connect with you. Right. And they'll be more open to you. It makes um, so much sense, but it's actually really hard to just naturally do. <laughs> it's like learning to drive, you know, because, um, you know, I've had five kids and I've had to teach them all how to drive. And, and I've been driving Oh, since I was 16 years old, and based upon how long I've been in dentistry, you get an idea of how old I am. So <laughs> for several decades, and I'm not going to count. Um, but so you get in the car and you just drive, right? And that's how communication is. You know, you just talk, you just communicate. When you have to teach someone else how to drive, and I know your kids are getting to be at that yeah. age now, yeah. right? It's, it's mind boggling. Like, wait a minute, this is something I do on autopilot. Now I have to stop and think about it and dissect it and take it apart. So it's hard because, you know, and, and, and for the student learning, you know, like you get in the car and you just drive, you do one thing, you drive. For the person learning to drive, oh my gosh, I got to pay attention. I got to check my mirrors. I got to look at my speed. I got to, you know, check what's happening with my dashboard. I got to look at the traffic ahead. You know, I've got 17 things I'm trying to do at the same time. That's why it occurs hard because when you start interrupting how you naturally communicate, then all of a sudden, you know, something that you do on autopilot, now you're looking at the 17 steps. And it's like, how the heck do I do all of this? You know, I just do it. Right. Yes. And we just want to be comfortable. So like, why would I do that to myself? Yeah. And, but but there's so much value in the end. Yeah. Meeting the patient needs you. Yeah. It's almost, it's almost a requirement to really consider how you're communicating, because if you're not getting through to that patient simply because of your style of communication, it's worth the effort to make that adjustment for sure. It is. And, and the first thing is to understand it's simply because of your style of communication. It's not that there's something wrong with the patient. Yes. You're just not effective at getting over there where they are and so that they can get what it is you're, you're trying to communicate to them. Yes, that was a huge aha for me. And I, I thank you for that skill development. <laughs> well, you're more than welcome. I share it with as many people as I can. Well, it spread. Well, I think that's what I love about people that coach because coaching is like spreading your seeds everywhere and watching it grow exponentially. Yeah, it, it really is. And coaching is also, you know, first and foremost about getting into somebody else's world and getting where they are so that and and getting where they want to be. And, you know, that's a perfect correlate to dentistry, because how can we really help somebody if we don't know where they want to be? 
And so often we see a patient and we're like, oh, you need this, you need this, you need this, you need this, you need this. We tell them what they need. Okay. But how is that connected to them? Because people don't make decisions in solely based upon what they need. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people make decisions based upon what they want. And so when we can tie what they need to what they want, then you're going to get a lot more healthy patients as a result. But first, we got to take the time to understand, you know, like people have a choice. They're not sent a summons to come into the dental practice, right? They choose to walk in there. So obviously, there's a reason. There's something they're out to achieve for themselves by going to the dentist because 50% of people don't even go. Yeah. So, you know, these people came in willingly and, and my goal is always to, to help to understand, first of all, where are they at? You know, what is it that has them even show up and come in? What are they hoping to achieve for themselves today, a year from now, 10 years from now? You know, like what type of, um, What's, how do they want their smile to be? How do they want to feel when they smile? And say, okay, John, you know, because I know that, that you know, avoiding being sick and, and staying healthy, and I'm, I'm, I'm like using John's language back at him, right? You know, and, and this is something I got from you. Oh my gosh, as a hygienist, you shared with me, like I was missing a tooth and you're, and you're like, you know, you're putting a lot of strain on your premolars. And they're not designed for that. And, you know, I've been in dentistry a long time by that point. And I'm like, nobody has ever pointed that out to me. And, and you know, duh, Liz, like, you should get this, right? But, it, you know, you had a, you just like made it so real for me, because what mattered to me was function, you know, of having had poor function. People who care about function typically have had poor function or they're highly densely educated. And I was both, right? Um, <laughs> And, and knowing that I cared about function, you were like, all right, but you know, you're putting so much strain on these teeth. They're not going to, they're not designed for that. And ultimately there's going to be a price to pay for that. So replacing that tooth that's missing is something that's going to give you that function long-term. So now you're speaking in my world because you took the time to understand, to ask me questions, to understand what mattered to me. You know, you can present it from, from pain and, and comfort and things like that. Any number of ways you can present that to a patient based upon what they really value. And in order to understand that, we got to ask some questions and get them to tell us what matters to them, why they showed up and what, you know, what they're out to achieve so that we can help them see how taking care of their smile, you know, do whatever needs to be done helps them achieve those outcomes that they're out to create for themselves. That's really, that's a nice tie-in for all of it really, Liz, because it is a frustrating situation when you know what a patient needs, but you don't know how to get them there. Yeah. And that's oftentimes, well, we all talk about burnout for the profession. And I don't know if that's a component of burnout, uh, but I do know that there's nothing worse than seeing a patient over and over and over in, and they're not healthy every time you see them and you don't know mm -hmm. how to get them down the path to health. 
you, you just, you can't figure it out. Sometimes you just can't figure it out. And if you put in the effort and then still are unsuccessful, I can see where that can cause some burnout. And oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And a lot of times it's, it's just that we don't know how to engage that patient. Yeah. You know, because like I said, they keep showing up. Right. So they're obviously out to, you know, accomplish something. So a lot of times when you get to that point where this patient keeps showing up, but I'm not able to really help move them forward toward health. I want to understand. That's always my goal is to understand like I'm standing in their shoes, looking through their eyeballs. So, you know, Billy, I love that you keep coming back. I acknowledge you for that. So many people don't even go to the dentist and here you are again and again and again. What has you keep coming back? And, and literally just listen, you know, is it because whatever they say is fine stay engaged with them and, and, and you paraphrase back to them another form of matching and mirroring, you know, what they said, like, yeah, I get, you know, thank you for listening to me. I really do appreciate that you value my opinion. <laughs> so what is it that you want to accomplish for yourself? What are you hoping that we can, we can accomplish with you by coming back and, and you kind of bring them back to it. So, you, so great. We pulled back the top layer. So let's get down to something more meaningful because that's usually two or three layers down. If, if I want somebody to explain something more, like they say something to me in my brain, you know, they say like, well, you know, I want to, I just want to be healthy, right? Well, that doesn't really give me enough information that it, it points me in a direction, but you know, what does it mean to be healthy? Well, it means one thing for Arnold Schwarzenegger and it means a whole different thing for, for me even right because I'm not a bodybuilder and all of that sort of stuff so so great I'm, I've now got a lane that we're looking at but I need to understand how do they navigate that lane now I'm going to speak to them from what I know is their evaluation tool for being healthy and it's just me adapting to you know what matters to him his and, and at the same time you know if if he's somebody who speaks fast, I'm going to speak faster. If he's somebody who speaks really slow and methodically, I'm going to slow it down. I had a friend of mine who was um, also a hygienist and she is like Speedy Gonzalez, you know, and, and for young people listening to this, this is like um, Hammy from that movie over the fence, the squirrel, <laughs> just, you know, zipping, zapping all over the place in the office. And she was telling me how she dismissed one patient and she's cleaning her room and she's running to the sterile center and she's getting it set up. And, and she, she goes to get her patient Janice and she literally runs up the hall and comes around the corner and slows down immediately because Janice is one of those people that speaks really at a very slow, methodical cadence. And so she brings Janice back and Janice only wants to see her because she gets her, right? And so she's sitting there that now knee to knee with Janice and she's like, how are you? And Janice is like, not that good. <laughs> and so she gets in her world by first of all, you know, getting to her pace, even though, you know, my friend's pace is, is like the wind. Um, she gets to Janice's pace friend is the only one that can get Janice to move forward with treatment just because you know she gets in her world and then she does exactly what I said you know what matters to Janice yeah. and and how do I be effective with her yeah and adapt yourself to, to her it's just skill skill building really it really, it is. really is that's why I say it's practice yes 
Yeah. And at the end, the goal is to help the patient, you know, achieve their own personal oral health goals. So it, it matters to, to definitely build those skills. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cause you know, that's why we show up every day. You know, what are the best days for us when we know we've, you know, made a huge difference for somebody and, you know, like you even move somebody to tears. Like if it wasn't for you, I, I would have lost my teeth years ago. Yeah. And, and like, they're really present to what, what that would be like for them. And they're so grateful that that's not what they have. And they're just totally connected to that. And for us, <clears throat> that's, that's like why we show up, you know, we're just, we're on a high all day and probably all week because of that. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Teeth, you know, it's a vulnerable, going to the dentist, people are in your personal space immediately and it's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And so there has to be this level of, I mean, and that's what I love about dentistry. That's what I love about being a hygienist is that there's this, it's an intimate relationship. And that's probably what you missed when you left clinical, right? That after that three weeks, you know, there's just something about it that creates that connection. So I think, you know, that recognition of the communication and the skill building and the development of really understanding how to connect with every single person that you're presented or having the opportunity to treat it's it's worth the effort and you point out so many different parts of that it's good it's all good yeah. stuff it, it, it's and, and here's the real beauty of it it's not just in your career it's a, you communicate everywhere in your life so when when you train yourself and practice being more effective in your communication all your relationships start to show up differently and your experience of life literally shifts. You have a lot more joy and a lot more satisfaction and a lot less strife and, and anxiety and stress. And don't we all want that in our life? Yeah. That's a good ending, Liz. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. (laughs) It's so fun talking to you, Billy. Oh my gosh. I just need so much Billy in my life. Like literally, we may talk every few years, but I keep so much Billy in my life just by, you know, like going to those moments with you. And, and you know, even from co- when we were in college together, like you just, your laugh just was infectious and it, <laughs> it, it shifted the environment. And it was something where when we reconnected working together, I was like, oh my gosh, I was so enthralled with you because you just had a way of presence and a way of being about yourself that uh, just was so welcoming to people. Well, thanks, Liz. Yeah. So I keep a lot of Billy in my life, even if we don't connect, because I'm like, oh, let me tell you about hygienist. (laughs) She's amazing. (laughs) What I think is ironic doing a podcast episode together, we took communications together. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that ironic? Yes. (laughs) And I remember your presentation on self-defense. Like I learned something there too. I would invite you to send me any questions that you need answered. Questions come up when you listen to this podcast. I have a link in the show notes and I'd be happy to answer any questions that you have. Also, I would appreciate a review if you have time to leave one. Thank you so much.